This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. I think I found it. Yeah, you found it. That is fantastic. We can broadcast for up to eight hours, by the way. It's a long time. Well, I you never know what will you be. Better not, you better not talk for eight hours about Final Fantasy thirteen three. I will kill you. First of all, it's called Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy thirteen. I will kill you. This is episode 67 of Unqualified Gamers. It's roughly accurate, correct, John? That actually is accurate. That is accurate. Cody. Oh, your yeah. name, Cody. My yeah, name, sorry. thank you for that. I didn't take the improv classes you did. The eight years of improv. Right, you need to take improv classes to know to say my name, how to say my name. So, thanks for joining us, listener. Going to presume you are listening to this sometime after Thursday, April 17th, 2014, because that's when because that's when we're gonna post this podcast. However, in case you're listening to it on or after Thursday, April 17th, 2014, you should know that uh, while John and I have always recorded with each other over the internet, we usually use Skype or Google Hangouts, we usually record and chat and just do our own two uh person thing and uh, that's kind of it and i posted online and then john got a webcam because he wants to get into webcam modeling the kind of thing where you can like uh you know take your clothes off and uh, i don't know you explain it i want to use it for porn Sure. So John's going to use it for porn. So John is going to use this webcam for porn, and I got a HD webcam as well because when I do porn, I want it to be HD. So John was like, "Hey, we have we have webcams. Hey guys, we have webcams." Because he talks like that, actually. We have webcams, guys. We should we should we should Google Hangout. We should Google Hangout with the internet. And I was like, "All right, so we're going to do this live. So we're doing it live." Everyone. Yeah, I think, I think your camera might have just failed. What do you mean my camera just failed? Like, I don't see your face anymore. Well, you're probably doing something wrong. So, see, there you go. Actually, actually, it's kind of nice. So, listener, as I was saying, we are going to be incorporating listener feedback from the people that are watching us do it live into this podcast. So in case I say something like, John just asked us, which game systems do you guys have? That's because there are people actually talking about us other than the voices in my head. <laughs> did you just hear an echo? Because I did. No, it's all, it's all good. I'm sure it's fine. We're also going to run into some technical, technical difficulties, such as me not being able to, to talk, uh... Or say the phrase technical difficulties. So that's what's happening. So we apologize ahead of time if it's uh, a little rough. It really is just kind of our first foray into the idea of doing kind of a live a live show. Yes, yes. This is definitely something. Yes, we, there are going to be so many issues with this. I'm going to need a subscription. You get it? Those improv classes, they really, they're paying off. So let's start with a couple listener questions. <laughs> Christopher is booing me in the chat and said that apparently you do a better job of keeping on task than I do. That's because I, I like to go to bed. Occasionally, I like to not podcast. Is, this is going to be a full eight hour podcast. I hope you realize that. 
So buckle your seatbelts, everybody. And I do want to actually get to a couple legitimate listener questions. Josh wants to know what, or John, somebody in the chat wanted to know what game systems we have. So for those of you who are new, if you're new listening to this podcast, let's go down the laundry list. John? I've got, uh, sure. So I've got currently a PlayStation 3, an Xbox 360, a Wii U. Those are all hooked up. And then I've also got a 3DS, which obviously is hooked up because it's always hooked up. Um, and then you, a majority of my gaming is actually done on an iPad or on, uh, I'm sorry, a PC right now. And I do quite a bit of gaming on my iPad too. Uh, but that's also, that's kind of doubled as just my, I'm going to hang out and watch TV and use my iPad at the same time type device. You're really into that iPad. Uh, it's so good. So it's got a lot of great stuff on there, but for the most part, my, the majority of my gaming really happens on PC. Wow. Um, so literally what John just said, Xbox 360, PS3, Wii U, neither of us wants to make the investment in a PS4 or Xbox One so far, right? Quite yet. I think it's just they're a little, I don't know, they're a little out of my price range right now. Yeah, I I just don't have a need for it. I've got such a backlog of games. It's kind of like, you know. Yeah. So not yet. And neither of us have played Titanfall yet, I believe, right? No. So, no Titanfall yet. It's funny, we go in waves. Actually, the first few months we did this podcast, almost everything John reviewed was on Steam, and I only reviewed console games. Then, I think the first summer or fall we were doing the podcast, I went full Steam, just full Steam ahead, constantly Steam, and John just got all these random titles on Xbox 360 or PS3, and then the last few months around since Christmas time has been a lot of Nintendo exclusives like a lot of first party franchises pokemon and we've talked about mario 3d world so we go in waves we're all over the place well we we got a wii u right around the same time and i mean once you get like when you get a new console you want to play it so it's tough not to and so that was like when i started playing a bunch of wii u games right and i've lately for whatever reason lives 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 change life changes lifestyles that was change. that's very profound thank that's you very profound and it means nothing ink yes so what i was going to say was as lifestyles change like when i got a 3ds xl when i got my 3ds I, I was on the go a lot i take the train to to and from work every day that's my lifestyle so a nintendo 3ds fits in really really well to that so i do a lot of my gaming on that these days whereas bef- you know other people may not you may not i don't know it's whatever. But I'm just saying we're, we're all over the place. Today's focus... Oh, go ahead. No, you were going to say something. We have a lot of systems between the two of us. We, we, have a lot of ave- we have a lot of avenues with which to play games. And I can honestly say I have far more ways to play games than I have time to play said games. So Yeah. Amen to yeah. that. Yeah. But it's probably not going to stop me from buying games. It never does. You, you like, collect games. You have a lot of games you've never played. I kind of do. And that's horrifying. It's horrifying. I, they, are, they are my second children. All of them. Yes. In addition to you actually having a son, we all know. We've all listened to the podcast. Oh my God. <sighs> so we're also human, right? No. And as we usually do, we talk about, uh, we talk about our weekends. So what did you do? I'll go first because you're interested. So on uh, on Friday... Never said I was interested. I bought a car. Hey. What? Yeah. Bought a car. So uh, 
Have Have you ever bought a car? No, no. You hate you hate cars, and you walk everywhere in Chicago. I haven't owned dumb. a car in over five years. Where? It was like the first car we've we've bought in a while, and uh, it's pretty much if if you've never bought a car and you haven't bought a car. I hate cars, okay? I, I dislike them, but I recognize them as kind of a necessary evil. I hate them because they lose value instantly, and they constantly lose value as you as you use them. You don't get... You get the ability to go places, but there's no, there's no investment there, right? So... It is the I, worst financial investment you can make because it immediately depreciates in value. That's exactly right. So I yeah. hate them, and and I really do. I absolutely hate. Do you cars. hate them I, as an investment or like as a as an invention? Because they are a investment, I hate them in principle. Okay, that's kind of the point that I'm making. That's okay. not the point, though. The point is, is it's the first time that we that I think I've ever bought like a a decent car, and that uh, that takes a while to do. So we went to the dealership on Friday, and keep in mind I've got a seven week old, and uh, we got to the dealership. And we got there at about 10 o'clock and over the course of five hours, it took five hours to get in and out the door with the new car. So basically you go there and you get a 15 minute test drive when you're buying a new car and then you go back in and they're like, okay, well, is this something you want to do? All right, now fill out these 8,000 forms. So then you fill out 8,000 forms. And then they secure financing for you to get a car loan. And then you say, okay, that loan is fine. But that takes like another two hours for them to do that. In the meantime, you know, we're just sitting, my wife and I are just sitting in the waiting room. And my kid's unhappy, right? Like, he actually did surprisingly better than we thought he was going to do. But eventually, he got a little pissed off because he's a baby. So um, it took it took five hours. But by the end of that, we finally were able to leave. But we had already had other plans set for that night. So we basically went straight from there and... We're not used to spending a lot of time out of the house right now because of the baby. So we basically went right from there to Casey's mother's house for the entire rest of the evening. And we actually spent the night over there. And then the following morning, every year we do this big um, charity thing at the Dorothy Day Center here up here in Minnesota. And it's basically we serve lunch to homeless people. Um, okay. It's like a commemorative event for, for Casey's father who passed away. And... So that was on, on Sunday and that takes the entire day because we do that in the morning. It takes, you know, we, the house, leave the house at nine o'clock. Um, and then the event lasts until about one. And then everybody comes back to Casey's mom's house and we eat food for like seven hours. Cause that's what you do. And I'm talking like 45 to 50 people at the house. It is jam packed. So that was also the entire day with the baby. So when that was done, it was time to go home and Sunday was like, the day of rest and it was just rest so that was when i got any kind of video game playing and i got it in on sunday but it was right at the time i was sleeping on sunday and taking care of the boy because it was a really busy weekend that was my weekend like i said you you looked really excited about it. you really wanted to hear so i'm always excited to hear what you've been doing that i have no part of because you live in minnesota like in hole and i live in chicago like me no offense to anyone else who lives in Minnesota, just to John. So, you hit any high school girls this weekend? Was that your weekend? Did I hit any high school girls? Did you hit, sure, did you hit on or did you hit any high Why school Why would girls? any of those things happen? Because that is typically the way that your weekends go? Sure. Um, you know, I literally don't remember what I did. Uh, 
Saturday, I probably went out. Oh, Saturday, our friend Blake was in town. Our friend Blake uh, uh, co-hosted one of our episodes. He, he guest hosted an episode Long a while back. Ago. Yeah, he reviewed Resident Evil something on 3DS, I think. I don't know. That one, I think, was Revelations, maybe? I don't know. But he was in town, and we went to Headquarters Beercade in Chicago, which uh, large bar on all the TVs. Have I told you about this place before on the podcast? I thought I'd been there. Was that the one that we went to? Yes, before Blake's wedding. Yes. So you've been there. So, uh, listener, if you're not aware, it's a really cool bar in Chicago. Of course, they have arcade games everywhere, but they also have on their flat screen TVs, they are always playing rerun. I mean, obviously reruns, but they're always playing American Gladiators and 80s wrestling DVDs. This is how you're working wrestling into the podcast tonight. Yeah, because I have to work wrestling into every episode. You're right, John. Great. That's kind of true. But, uh, no, they're always showing... So, like, on one screen, you've got Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior fighting at WrestleMania six, and then on all the other screens are American Gladiators. And they've got a, a great selection of games. They've got The Simpsons, X-Men. They've got a bunch of the older ones. Uh, they've got some a ton of pinball machines. Like, some of the really good pinball machines. Your obsession, so in, with, your obsession with steroided men is kind of scary. You know, it's because you are roided out all the time, and I'm really attracted to that. That's why I do the podcast with you. Actually, I don't, I don't think that's true. That's true. So went there. If you're in Chicago, go because it's free to play, which is the best part. So, yeah, I, I'm assuming for... they expect you to drink when you're there. I mean, so, I guess they do have cool. I, I do remember they have like cool drinks named after various famous video game stuff. I mean, they really lean into the video game part of the video game barcade. Yeah. Yes. So Soda Popinski is one of their drinks appropriately. I don't remember what's in it, but I've gotten it. It's really good. So, I, wow. You know, uh, normally when we talk about what we did this weekend, it's supposed to be, what did John and I do this weekend that's not related to video games? Because the rest of the podcast is about video games. And I immediately talk about a beer cade I went to. So let me try again. Friday night, I had a few coworkers over and we played Smash Brothers. Hold on. Uh... Well, my life was pretty much all video games this weekend. Actually, Sunday, I met with um, our, our friend Linnea and, and her fiancé. I'm officiating their wedding on Saturday. Oh, Pastor Cody, right. I am, I am a licensed minister. I'm not kidding. Universal Life Church, United Life Church. It's in my – I have a wallet card, so it seems legit. Are you Mormon now? Am I Morphin? Yeah, are, so did you accidentally become Mormon and not realize it? No, no, I became Morphin. I'm a mighty Morphin now. I'm a mighty Morphin minister. So you're going to be uh, a pastor at the wedding? I don't know if I'm a... I don't think pastor's the right term. I'm a... The, I'm, the, are you going to be the doing Jesus... It. Are you going to be the Jesus at their wedding? Yes, I think that's the, the official term. I don't know, but I'm officiating a wedding. So I'm I'm hoping to incorporate a quote from Braid so that I can preface it by saying... I think it's really good that you incorporate a quote that is from a game about a man falling in love with a nuclear device that eventually blows up the world that he horribly regrets. I think that's fantastic. I think you should really so, run. You should run with that. So uh, I went to a wedding of two of my percussion playing friends I met in the Drake bands because I went to Drake University and I went to a, their wedding last summer was officiated by our professor of musicology. And at one point in the ceremony, he said something along the lines of, if I may for a moment compare their relationship to 21st century postmodern Baroque uh, compositional styles. 
And it was hilarious because everybody laughed because it was such a specific thing. So I'm literally planning on or at least considering saying I don't have any religious readings for this couple, but there was a quote from relationships that I would like to relay from a video game that I once played that is an allegory for nuclear war. Yeah, I think the part at the end of the game where the the bride is fleeing in terror from the man that has been chasing her the whole game, I think that that really speaks to just the true bonds of marriage. I think this is a fantastic idea. Like I said, I think you need to run with this. There are romantic quotes in the... There are some, there's some good stuff in there, all right? Thank you very much. You are the worst pastor. I'm sorry, the well, worst Jesus. You are the worst, the worst Jesus for this wedding. Do you know the most ironic thing about what you just said? Is that this Sunday is Easter, 420. It's on 420. And this Sunday I'm going to be, for the fourth year in a row, I'm going to be in a sketch comedy show called Marijuana Rama. It's all marijuana-themed sketches, big surprise. And in one of the sketches, I'm literally playing Jesus. Okay. So I'm not the worst Jesus. You will be. And at first I was incredibly uncomfortable doing that in a sketch comedy show because, like, I was raised Catholic and that's weird to play Jesus, but it is very well written. It's not, like, offensive. It's it's not, like, offensive for the sake of being offensive. It's just a silly, stupid sketch about what would happen if Jesus got high. And it's very, very funny. Like, it has killed the last few years we've done yeah, it. Yeah, your parents Do you like how you can proud. see My parents are very proud. Do you like how you can see less and less on my face as I move around my gigantic... My gigantic podcast setup. Do you it like makes, that? It makes you sound marginally better. It's okay. Thank you. Uh, so, in the midst of this conversation, and while listening to you ramble endlessly about things I don't care about, which is par for the course for you, I figured out how to work Google Hangouts partially. And we got questions. There's a question section. It, so, I was monitoring comments earlier, but now there's a question section I can see. Oh, that's fantastic. People have asked us questions that they'd like us to answer. So I'm going to select one. I don't know what this does. It. Yeah, do I bet it, it selects it. No, I don't see it. Did anything. it pop up on your screen? No. But you could probably read it. You probably read it to me because I can listen just fine. You know what I could do? So since it's not on your screen, I could actually read it to you. And then you'll know what it is. Do you think that'll work? It's probably a good idea. Okay. So Zelda or you could just start. At, you could just start answering it. That would be fine too. Without giving you or the listener any context as to what it is because again a lot of people are going to hear this after this live recording we're doing right just to remind you of you know how the podcast works you okay with that yeah that's good because i don't really know how it works okay so zelda chick wants to know how long has it been since you guys introduced unqualified gamers to the public i haven't heard of you before and i was just wondering sorry to interrupt thank you for your politeness zelda chick we introduced Unqualified Gamers at the start of this year, correct? 2014? Yes. The, but that was our rebranding. In January 2012, we debuted Unqualified, a video game podcast. It was actually much earlier than that. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. It was much, no, it wasn't. It was much earlier than that. It was January 2011. It was, it was 1999, the summer of our Lord, and... Uh, I don't, you and I were drinking lemonade on a hill. There was a sunset. And we said, what if? None of that's true. It might have been 2012. I actually don't, I actually don't really remember when we did it. But I do remember that there, have been, like, there were periods of time where we would take long breaks from it because it was just kind of a thing we were doing 
for for fun. I mean, it wasn't anything we were trying to make it anything special, but recently we've been talking a lot and it's been something that we've decided we want to lean into a little bit more. So we've become much more regular with the podcast. Yes, we have not missed a single episode. Well, I have not missed a single episode since August. So it's been eight months, eight or nine months since we've actually missed a week. John has been out a couple times. Two of those times I hosted my own mini like half episode. And the other couple times uh, John requested a guest kind of guest host for him. So he's gotten fill-ins. So you're, so you've gotten fill-ins. Congratulations. Um, it's been around for a while. Is, it's been around for a while, but yeah, before that, um, you know, we were regular and then we'd miss an episode here or there. And, and then last summer was rough. We, we only posted like two or three episodes last summer just cause it's summer and it's whatever, but we, we plan on continuing the, the weekly deal for a while. Yeah, I think. Absolutely. So there's that. So thanks for the question. I hope you're still here to uh, hear the answer. I hope that was helpful. All right. A couple other questions. Will asks, when are you going to review Dofus arena? So Dofus Arena is, I believe, a square property now, and it is terrible, and we are never going to review it because I don't even think that it exists anymore, and that's a stupid question, and you're stupid. So next question, <laughs> the record listener I know who asked that, so it's, it's not like I'm just being a dick for the sake of being a dick. You could be being a dick. Next though. question, uh, Will also asks, what is a man? John, I'm going to let you take that one. I think I'm going to go with a miserable little pile of secrets. It's a, is it a miserable little pile of secrets? Yeah. Okay. So that is what a man is. Hope that answers your question, Will. And in the chat box, apparently 10 minutes ago, Christopher asked, like an asshole? Are you drunk already? Because it's only 20 minutes in. I don't even know what that is, what that's in regards to, but now I have to. And I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think you're drinking right now. No, I'm, are you? But he is drunk. But he is drunk. So. Well, clearly, yes. Well, then we have eight hours, so we got to... And Chris, I do have to say, he also mentioned that he's going to be writing a final on in English about gamer culture, and that's probably a topic I wish I could have written on. Oh, that would have been great. Back when I was in school. Christopher Agreed. also asked in the group chat, because there's two sections to Google Hangouts. There's the comment section and then the question section. I, I don't know what is going on, but in the comment section, he asked a question. I don't know if that's allowed by state of law. This, this state, I no, I think state of law. State okay, of law. so so what uh, so what exactly did you play? was the question? What's his question? I literally just said he asked a question, and then you just ignored him completely. No, no, I just addressed his question because you never would. Do, you don't know what the que- Do you know what the question was? What question? The que- <laughs> I hate you so much, Christopher. Wants to know. I don't know if you will see this. I, I we saw it, but on a scale from fish to waffle, how cool is getting to write a paper about gamer culture for a final in English? Oh wait a minute! I just I just addressed that. I hate you so much right now. Okay, so you um, did just answer you, it. You, you I did. You're the worst. I'm like three steps ahead of you. So I'm wearing this shirt because I knew that you would have a lot to say about a certain Final Fantasy game that we kind of we kind of previewed earlier in the show that I have no interest in. Right. You have no interest in playing, but you would love to hear about it. I would love to hear all of it. Oh man, there's a lot to say. 
Good thing we got eight because hours. It gives me it gives me a really good chance to like play Diablo three or Hearthstone while you're while talking. I'm talking while you completely ignore I'll, me. I'll I'll nod. Actually, I'll probably I'll probably say something condescending and disagree with you. Um, but it gives me something else to do while you're talking about this game. I'm really excited about this this whole good. process you've got set up. So you we talked about this game a couple episodes ago, and you kind of did it no favors to make it sound appealing to me. You made it sound really bad. Yeah, I believe my text message to you at one point in the last few weeks was literally, I hate this game. Does that sound about... It was It was something like that. Something like, I hate this yeah. game. Now, I just adjusted my camera, by the way. I hope that's okay with you. <gasps> okay, good. So we're on the same on the same page there. So Lightning Returns Final Fantasy thirteen. I'm going to try to be as spoiler free as possible, and it's really hard to review something like this because so we don't really review review on this podcast. We just kind of talk about games and talk about our experience playing games. So it's not like I'm reviewing it, but it's it, it's hard to tackle. And Josh in the chat just said it looks complicated, and it is. It it is a complicated game both in practice and in trying to figure out the best way to talk about it. So, listener, John and I both played Final Fantasy 13 and really enjoyed it. Final Fantasy 13 is a very very love it or hate it game. As everyone on the internet aware of the Final Fantasy series is aware by now. Final Fantasy XIII 2, I really enjoyed John not so much. I thought it did a lot of things really well. In retrospect, you know, it's not like a perfect 10, but I did I did like it. But in retrospect, not as great as I thought. What is that right? You didn't love it? Yeah, I definitely didn't love it. And it was mostly dealing with the, the story. I thought the story was just really convoluted and just in general, not good. We've talked about it to death, though. We don't need to rehash it. Oh, yeah. Our, our first, I think uh, it was like our third or fourth episode is when it came out. And we talked about it for like seven or eight episodes straight. It was too long. Yeah. We'll, we spent far and too I'm, long I'm still it. working on uh, on migrating all of our all of our old episodes to unqualifiedgamers.com, but we have at least the, the, the last 30 some episodes on there. So there's a lot there, but we'll get to that eventually. So and you'll, you're able to search through our, our, our older episodes. There's a search tool on unqualifiedgamers.com. So you can search for the name of a game or a franchise and, and hopefully fire it, uh, find it. What, what are you looking for? So, that's our experience with the Final Fantasy 13 series because the Final Fantasy 13 like warrants its own series now. And then they made Lightning Returns. And it's funny because the the first 20 hours of Final Fantasy 13 is the most linear 20 hours probably of any Final Fantasy game or at least for a long time. It's so linear. It's like I mean maybe of any video game right. I mean, <laughs> any vi- I mean you couldn't even like run off a side path to open a treasure chest. It was just, it was just running straight lines. You're there. And then it opens yeah. up and becomes very open, open-ended, open very non-linear. And Final Fantasy XIII 2 overall is pretty non-linear. There are definitely some story beats you have to hit. And then Final Fantasy Thirteen Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy Thirteen, just zero linearity anywhere. Just do anything so you it's want. Like, it's like you're put into a big arena of stuff to do and you just do whatever you want you are in a gigantic sandbox i just started new game plus to relive the beginning of the game and the first maybe three like the first couple story beats are 
the kinds of things where they force you to play them, but it is to ensure, you know, it's to teach you the combat system and teach you how quests work and teach you the structure of the game. But after the first hour or maybe two of playing at the most, you're just, we're going to let you loose, do anything you want to do. And you're there. So there's that. The Okay. The, and the last time we talked, you talked about, kind of the time system that is in the game. It's almost a Majora's Mask type system. You weren't very hot on that, yeah, at least at first. Yeah, this... Um, so, I haven't read a lot of reviews on the game, but I have read a little bit about people's reactions to the game, just out of, out of curiosity, because I'm like, how do reviewers even tackle this? The storyline is incredibly complicated at, at first. And, like, and, you know, I've played 60 hours of it, and... By about hour 58, it started to make sense. Like, no. But it, it does make more and more sense as you go through the game. But it does start really convoluted. And it, it, this is coming from a guy that's played the first two games. So if you're brand new to the series, like, they they give you the resources within the game. There's a an option in the menu called Data Log where you can kind of read up on the past of some of the characters and some of the story arcs. But... It's tough to wrap your head around. I, I would imagine it would be a. It's a, it's not a very easily approachable game, which is unfortunate because it ends up being a really fun game and it has a lot of really good things going for it. So, the story is very convoluted. The combat's very 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 complicated, but very rewarding. And I'll get to that shortly. But yeah, we'll talk about the time system. So, the basic premise of the game. You can go back a few episodes if you want to hear me go in in detail about the storyline, but you play as Lightning, who has just awoken from a 500-year sleep as a crystal by Boonavelza, who is God. Boonavelza has awoken you and named you the Savior so that you can save people's souls, called Aradia, and you can collect people's Aradia to feed to the Tree of Life, Yggdrasil, to lengthen the amount of time before the world ends because the world is going to end in i think it's eight days at the start so you are the savior of the world you're the no you will not really your job is when you're saving these aradia is to save a person's soul and collect their aradia so that they can be reborn into the new world because what happened is chaos is taking over the world chaos is this is it is it spelled k-a-o-s no thankfully it is just the colloquially the correctly spelled that's a that's a missed opportunity Uh, yeah you would think but no they didn't want to overcomplicate it now let's let's be realistic here but so you're collecting these radia because chaos is this amorphous kind of missed uh kind of collection of dead souls or whatever it is chaos is taking over the world it's closing in so the entire like world now consists of four zones the wildlands the dead dunes uh and two cities it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter desert desert fire ice and not jungle. true not true it's actually two cities the dead dunes is a desert and then the wildlands which is several different terrain types there's like a rocky area a forest area so just kind of your your general wilderness grand pulse type of area and uh, and uh, the Dead Dunes, just a big desert, and then the two cities that you go to. So outside of that, there is no existence. Like, you're running through Luxarion, the city where you start the game, and you look off in the distance, and it's just space, basically. 
because it's been consumed by the chaos. So the world is dying. The world has, again, I think at the start of the game, it's seven or eight days. As you feed Aradia to the Tree of Life, it extends it up to 13 days. Mmm, 13. Interesting choice. I see what they're doing. right? So... The, basically, the better you are, the more you accomplish, the longer it extends the lifeline of the world before chaos consumes it. And all the souls you've saved are given to Bunavelza, and he recreates a new world from scratch and will only carry over those souls you've saved. So your job as the savior is to save as many people as possible so that the other souls don't get uh, completely obliterated and they're gone forever. Kind of makes sense, right? It makes sense. Yeah. It's, no. it's it's not insanely well. Well, it doesn't make sense in context with the rest of the Final Fantasy thirteen story at all. And this was my original issue with the game, with the game storyline, because the first game is about saving Cocoon, and you know, kind of fate versus choice. The second game is about time traveling and Sarah saving some eternal battle going on between lightning and a demigod, basically that's on an infinite loop that Sarah has to break her out of. By defeating Caius, yeah, yeah, it, it was a I bit. Don't know. It was a bit Lightning rough. somehow got trapped somewhere, and you had to save her. That's what that's what two was about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Christopher says Bunavelza kind of sounds like a dick. Leave those who aren't saved because Lightning may be slightly lazy. Well, that's a good point. Lightning's motivation is that Bunavelza says he's going to save Sarah. So, minor spoiler alert from Final Fantasy thirteen two. At the end of Final Fantasy XIII 2, in which you play as Sarah and Noel, Sarah is Lightning's sister, who is, we won't go into her history, but but basically you play as Sarah in, in, in Final Fantasy XIII 2, and at the end of the game, Sarah dies, and it says to be continued, which John and I did not like. We were not a fan of that ending at all. Imagine pouring 40 to 50 hours into an RPG and having the main character die and it say to be continued. When when you have no idea there's going to be a sequel. Like, it's not like Square Enix was like, oh, we announce a third game in the series. No, it, it was literally just like, okay. So, you play as Sarah, she dies, that sucks. Then, in Lightning Returns, Lightning's motivation to do any of this for Bunavelza is her motivation is that he will save Sarah's soul and bring her back to life and deliver her back to lightning. Sarah sounds like a little b- kind of, because in the first game, the whole motivation of everything you were doing was to save her, because she was encased in crystal and Snow was trying to save her, blah, blah, blah. And then she dies in the second game. And then in the third game, you're only there to try to save her again. Yeah, pretty much. And she's not even a good character. <laughs> she's all right. Right? She's kind of a little... I don't really remember. So, well, anyway, that's the premise, and that is where Lightning's motivation comes from. So, that's what the game revolves around. Now, you're assisted by Hope, who has been returned to his child form from the first game. So, he's kind of talking to you... He's basically talking to you throughout the game. He's kind of like in your headset, which is nice because it makes you feel a little... It makes the environment a little less lonely because the premise of the game is a bit is a bit macabre, a bit grim. You know what I mean? It's it's basically the, the world is ending and you have to save people, but everyone's going to die and that's kind of it. However, 
I changed my mind on the story a little bit of the way into it. And I'm not going to spoil anything. But the more you play it, the way that the, the, the quest system is set up is basically you find people with tasks. There are a lot of fetch quests. I don't know. Th- like go kill eight rats and bring back their whiskers. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm not convinced you would love this format for a game. Uh, if you, yeah, I know. I like never played World of Warcraft or anything like that. Oh well, then I guess you would love this for. I mean, it, it, I I don't do MMOs, so I guess that makes sense when you say it that. That way. is the. I mean, that is the exact formula for your standard MMO. So basically, it's that. Only okay. there are a there. There's some variety. Sometimes it's you know. Sometimes you find a random item on the map somewhere. Like oh, I lost my carbuncle doll. Go find it for me, please. And then you find it somewhere in the town, and then you bring it back, and then the person's soul is saved because the world is ending, and you're finding carbuncle dolls, and that saves a soul. There's some tasks that are a bit trite compared to others. One could say, but they always make it make. S- Here's the thing. Your jaw is hanging open, and I see that. And I see you think, that's a really stupid thing to save a soul. There are, there's another woman where you have to find her long-lost dog. She lost it hundreds of years ago, and you have to find it. Oh, because, by the way, for the last five— It's dead. It's been hundreds of years. It's not, because for 500 years, 500 years ago, a curse was placed upon the world, and no one can age or die of natural causes— People can still die of disease or murder, so there's still some danger. But aging stopped 500 years ago, and no one could give any give birth to new people. So sometimes there. When you're when when we're done recording this, and like, I need you to like step back, and I need you to listen to yourself talk about the story of this game, because I need you to reflip on your opinion on the story of this game. It sounds horrible. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Out of context, it sounds horrible. And at first I thought it was stupid. No, 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 no. I have context. I have played the other games. I have context. It still sounds horrible. But you haven't seen it executed. A a concept can sound stupid, but the execution can save it. Okay. Believe me, because it saved it for this game for me. And I, I have a... Maybe I have a bit of a low bar for storytelling. I don't really know. But, I mean... They do it better than one would think. So when I say that, I mean the game itself, the story of the game, even though they're presented in fetch quest and they're presented kind of in generic, you know, uh, kind of generic uh, video game trope styles of, of gaming, like, oh, go kill these monsters or go get this item. Like, even though that happens quite a bit, it, the game starts to address kind of the meaning of life. In a funny way, in an odd way, because a lot of times Lightning will do something for somebody and she'll say something along the lines of, I guess that's what it took to save that person, or I guess that's what gave them closure. There are different ways to live kind of presented through this game, and it's hard to articulate without actually having played the game, or without other people having played the game. So let me phrase that. It's easy for me to articulate, but it's hard to really understand unless you've played it. But it it talks... It speaks to what is important to people. Like you said, a carbuckle doll, that's stupid. But it it speaks in, in a lot of different miniature stories to this person wanted to become a master chef. That's what they cared about. They did it. They succeeded. That's like they kind of completed their lives. And 
there are other people who, again, it's like, I found my dog. Okay, it was my best friend for a long time. So th- there's all these little things, and and it explores how different people live their lives differently and what's important to them and how they find closure and how they find happiness. And it was, I felt it was well done, even if that sounds weird to you. And it, No, it's okay. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, but oddly... And I'm going to tie this into pro wrestling now. Are you ready for this? Sure, because we can't have an episode without our two favorite things, Final Fantasy 13 and pro wrestling. Clearly, yes. This is like the quintessential unqualified gamers podcast where we just dig into the two main things, FF13 and pro wrestling. So You dig into them. Yeah, sure. No, the reason I bring this up is because you heard what happened last week is Ultimate Warrior passed away, right? You've heard about yes. that. So, yes. Was he looking for his carbuncle doll? No, he wasn't. But listen to me. Ultimate War... Very... I'm going to tell this very, very truncated story. Ultimate Warrior, for many, many years, decades, had a terrible relationship with WWE. Once he left the company, he... He was soured on it. He was unhappy with them. They they were fighting. He just... He didn't come back for events. He was out of the picture. He wanted nothing to do with them. A couple weeks ago... WrestleMania 30 happened. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. After a year and a half long journey of Triple H, the guy in charge of the company, basically, negotiating with him, talking to him, saying, like, let's bury the hatchet. Let's put put our differences aside. Like, you contributed so much to this business. You meant so much to it. You did so much. You've got all these memories. Let's get back together. He agrees to go in the Hall of Fame. He's at he's backstage at WrestleMania 30 hanging out with people. Monday on Raw, he cut his first promo as the Ultimate Warrior in, like, 15 years or something crazy like that. Uh, he's in the ring. He gives an Ultimate Warrior promo, and he talked about, um, you know, the the legend of the Ultimate Warrior lives in all of you. It lives in all of us. You know, it, it's it's all this stuff. It's it's you guys. You know, after we're gone, it's for the Warriors to decide what our legacy is going to be. And he gives this this really good promo, and it's just kind of you don't think much of it. You're like, oh, that's a cool promo. Tuesday, walk into his car with his wife, and he drops dead. He had a cardiovascular disease, and he passed away, like in real life, which was very, very, very sad and very terrible. I found it, I found it, I, I, I found Lightning Returns almost was comforting because of the way the game plays out. You complete a you task. You knew for, that Bunavelza had saved his soul. Not what I was getting at. I'm being totally serious about this. In Lightning Returns, you complete tasks for people, and that is what kind of quote unquote saves their soul and kind of helps them move into this new world. And and I I see this Ultimate Warrior stuff, and the parallels to the things you do in Lightning Returns are uncanny because it's like. All this stuff happened. He had this this anger for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden, everything is made right in one weekend, and he dies. And I'm, I'm not saying, like, I believe it's bec- – like, I'm, I'm not saying anything really deep. But it was it was oddly comforting. Like, it felt like he kind of finished his business and moved along. And it kind of, like, fit into this game. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about with the messages within this game. When this game addresses like what it takes to pass on and move on and things like that. Like it got me thinking about kind of what's important to different people and how does one person resolve their 500 year journey for things. And the 500 years of stagnation where no one could have children or die of old age, that 500 years thing that is so ridiculous to you and in concept sounds so totally ridiculous. 
in execution, it allows them to address a lot of stories that they wouldn't otherwise be able to address. So I'm being flippant for the sake of being flippant, which I often do sure. on this show. But it it sounds almost it sounds almost like it sounds almost biblical. It it sounds almost it's almost Old Testament style biblical story. As lightning as this as this savior, people are living outrageous lengths of time like they did in the Old Testament. There are all these crazy supernatural things. The whole point of this game is to move people on to the other side of whatever it is. Like it, it sounds, it sounds very religious in nature. Is that kind of a fair assessment? I would say, well, Bunavelza is presented as not a good guy. Lightning's not happy with him, so he's kind of presented as a villain. And the undercurrent is, yeah, the undercurrent of the whole game is religious. The entire thing is founded, the entire... Yeah, but but right in the Bible, God, especially in the Old Testament, wasn't a good guy. He was a God, vengeful, vengeful he was kind of He was kind of a jerk in the Old Testament, right? True. So, I mean, that that sounds fair. I mean, people people were scared of God in the Old Testament, that's true. He was accurate. He wasn't the fu- the fuzzy hip dude that he was in the New Testament. So, I mean, it sounds it sounds very much like an Old Testament story to me. With I the would way say, that you're telling it. I would say there's definitely a lot of religious undertext. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Except that lightning. Except that lightning don't fear no man. She don't fear no man. That's true. That is wholly accurate. And Christopher brings up a, an excellent point that I absolutely thought about while playing this game. Is He asks, doesn't this fit into game theory's representation of Final Fantasy being anti-religious? And I've, I've mentioned game theory on this podcast several times. It's one of my favorite YouTube channels. It's where a guy has theories about video games. And one of them is that Final Fantasy is kind of anti-religion. Especially Final Fantasy X, where the church is... Pretty much evil. I mean, what's his name? Siegfried, Sigmund, Seinfeld, Seymour. Yes, Seymour. Seymour is Seinfeld was close. Seinfeld was. I thought so. Thank you. So Seymour, yeah, he's a bad guy. And the Final Fantasy series has done this before, and they take it to another level. I think in this game, but it doesn't feel like preachy. It's it's so. I feel like it's. So over the top. The story is so over the top ridiculous, which you clearly will substantiate because you are appalled by the the over the topness of this game. There's just some really dumb sounding stuff in there. There is dumb sounding stuff, but it's so over the top and it's it's in such a complex manner that it doesn't come off as really a game about religion or anything like that. It comes off more as a game about life and about choices. And you mentioned you loved about Final Fantasy Thirteen that it tackles fate versus choice in a very cool way. I legitimately think that this game, in a very cool, very effective way, tackles life motivation and what people mean to each other and how to move on from things and... It it hits a lot of I think really interesting issues and stories in all these little mini side quests, and that's why I flipped huh. my script on this game is because I think it does end up tackling something interesting, and it, and that's that's an improvement from Final Fantasy thirteen too, which I felt was just convoluted for the sake of being convoluted. You know, you will being reborn several times to have a because it was a probably because it introduced time travel. I would think is one of the main reasons why it was so tough. Maybe 
don't and not know. just time travel, but parallel universes as well. Yeah, it it just it does it it did get very very convoluted for convoluted sake. But I, I could cl- more clearly see the message they were going for in this game, or some of the messages, and there are a lot of them. And there's a lot that's kind of there for you to think about. It it made me think. It made me think as a gamer when I finished some of these things, and and just as a person, I would finish a side quest and be like. I am going to think about this now. And then I would do it. And it was fun. So overall, really enjoyed the story. And the ending was utterly satisfying. Unbelievably satisfying. Like, I cannot explain to you how satisfying it was. They tied together everything. And they substantiated the existence of Final Fantasy XIII too. Like... Because you and I, we look at it, we're like, ah, oh, stupid storyline, doesn't make sense, Sarah dies, everything's kind of inconsequential, blah, blah, blah. They somehow, masterfully, managed to bring back the story beats from Final Fantasy XIII 2, and the characters from Final Fantasy XIII 2, and the mythology of Final Fantasy XIII 2, make it relevant, and bring logical closure to it in this game. I don't know how they did it. I, and and much of it doesn't happen until very close to the end of the game. But I, I got to these certain parts in I, these scenes, and I'm like, that ties together 40 hours of this from Final Fantasy XIII 2, and it it makes sense now. And how did this happen? And they somehow they somehow they somehow magically tie it all together. I don't know how they did it, but they did. So. The conclusion of the story just ties it all together, brings everything back around. It's very interesting to me the way that they did it. So I would maybe recommend YouTubing some Let's Play of this game if you're really bored sometime. Because I know you fully do not intend on playing it. So what, as, and the combat system? Oh, I'm going to talk about all the game mechanics and the play stuff in a second. But I I guess I, I didn't know how to start talking about this game. So I guess we... We were talking about storylines and the overarching yeah. storylines of the trilogy, and I, I just thought I would kind of get into that first. So I'll talk mechanics and stuff for sure. But um, overall, I liked the story. There was a lot of unnecessary complication that that may seem unnecessary, actually, but kind of wasn't. So I'm contradicting myself right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Is he? Isn't he? I don't really know. What has happened? Who knows? Do you? Not me. Maybe I do. I think I just did. What? Did you catch that? I did. Good. Because I didn't. Or did I? So, story's complicated, but totally worth it. Really enjoyed all that stuff. And before I talk about the combat system, one other quick thing is the characters from the past games. They bring back Snow in a story arc that makes sense. Makes sense. They bring back Vanille and Fang in story arcs that really make sense. They're good. And they bring back Noel in a very, very sensible way. Okay, so then Enlightening, of course, makes sense. So who does that leave? Who does that leave from the first game? That I didn't mention. What character from the first game did I not mention has a story that makes sense? Which one? Saz, Fang, Vanille. Saz. I just said Fang and Vanille. Yeah, but I wasn't listening to you. Okay, so Saz. You remember Saz? Okay. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, I guess, Square Enix's token African-American character for this game? Which, yes, he is. That is exactly what he is. Which is really unfortunate because because I'm playing through the game and he does he does recur in Lightning Returns in the most just inconsequential manner. He's he's there, which is a real bummer because to be perfectly honest, in 13 he had a beautiful fatherly character. Like he was, I thought he was 
good in 13. I thought he was well done. Yeah. So it's really it's really a shame that they kind of sh all over him because he wasn't 13-2, he was inconsequential. 13 was he in 13-2? Yes, he was in some dumb little side scene thing. I, they could have done so they could have done so much more with him. I literally so, did not even know he was in that game. Yeah, that's kind of a little bummer that he was in one of the shard he flew a ship for you. That's right. He flew a ship at the end of the game. He was a Deus Ex Machina, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. kind of. I don't think he actually saved the day, but well, he yeah. was there at the end. Since you die at the end of that game. But he basically shows up for the ending. Yeah, totally agree. And Yeah, like, and Hope, like, worst character throughout the entire series, and they just completely go off the rails with him. He gets everything. He does get everything. I mean, he's, he's very front and center in, in Lightning Returns, so... I don't know what to tell you about that, but Saz has a, a an equally pretty inconsequential to the story role. And at, at first, I was like, okay, this is the this is your typical like negate or be negligent towards the one minority character kind of thing that you see, unfortunately, perpetuated in certain American media. Did you like that insight? Like at first, nice. it's like, oh yeah, Saz, they just kind of disregard the black guy, and that's not cool. That's not okay, but. At the same time, when you think about it, in terms of the central story of Final Fantasy XIII, like, he really just wants his kid back. He wants Dodge. And you're right, he's a great father. And then once he gets him, he doesn't really have anything to do with the whole rest of it. You know, Fang and Vanille are from the outer world, Grand Pulse. Like, they, and they, they have a crystal history. Hope is is tied in with Sarah really closely, obviously. Lightning is, is really in. I guess Hope doesn't really have a compelling... Yeah, but then you, but then you kind of, then you kind of make him sound like a Because he, he got what he was, you got what he was after, and then he had no, no interest in the rest of the plight of humanity, which was the whole journey in the first game. That's true, and that's that's not what I'm trying to say, because all of them are are invested in the plate of humanity. Don't but, you paint saws into that corner. Sure, I'll try, but beyond the first game, you know, again, everybody's got the history. Like, Snow is Sarah's fiancé or whatever, and Hope is kind of, I mean, like, everyone is a father figure to Hope. They're raising Hope, basically. Isn't that a TV show, Raising Hope? I think it is. Maybe. But so everybody's raising hope. So he's kind of their family in a way. And then he grows up and does his own thing that's kind of research based. But but I don't know. On one hand, like why marginalize says because they didn't do it with any other character. But on the other hand, kind of makes sense. Like all he wants to do is be a really good dad and keep his kids safe. So it kind of makes sense that he's not really super invested in all this stuff. I don't know. That's my take on it. I think that's enough story stuff. I think you've done a good job of... I know, I'm moving on, don't worry. So, combat. Here's how combat works. If you remember from the first couple of Final Fantasy thirteen games, that's a weird thing to say, you can stagger enemies. The idea is you do a base amount of kind of like base damage or like more permanent damage, and then on top of that, you'll use things like spells that will increase their stagger gauge. And once you stagger them... They're incredibly weak. All your attacks do a zillion damage. You can launch them into the air. You can chain combos together. You can do all these things. So the idea was, if you had a weak enemy, you could take him out with a few strong hits. But if you had a strong enemy, you needed to strategically time your attacks to stagger the enemy so that you could just unload mass damage on them. And that's that's pretty much the first two Final Fantasy thirteen games, right? Yep. That's pretty much the basis. That's also how Lightning Returns works, but you're only playing as Lightning. And 
they have eschewed the traditional roles of Ravager, Commando, Medic, uh, Sentinel, things like that, for Schemata, which are outfits. You get outfits. You get different pairs of clothing to put on lightning. Okay. And of course, this is not without this is not without precedent. I mean, they use dress spheres and they're in ten to correct, correct. So you're you're really dressing her up a whole lot. They're not all overly sexual. In fact, the vast majority are not at all sexually suggestive. So it's it's not as much of an affront to lightning as a character as a lot of people initially were concerned would happen. Like it's it's not like everything is oh what slutty costume are you going to put on her next? Like it's not like that. It's really not. Uh, I actually was mad about that at some points because I was like, damn it, this sexy costume isn't as powerful as this non-sexy one. Ugh. So that was annoying. I really wanted to. She's hot. I mean, look at her. She's hot. I think you should, prob- I think you should probably just continue. Okay. So the schemata, you equip a schemata, you get to equip four abilities, each assigned to a, f- a face button, X, triangle, square, or circle. If you're playing on PS3, which why wouldn't you? It's more powerful than Xbox 360. So you assign uh, for each of your three schemata that you get to select, you can equip up to four abilities. Those include things like guard or or heavy guard or fire up Blazara, Blazaga, uh, attack, light attack, heavy slash. So there's a variety of physical attacks, magic attacks, debuffs like poison or de-peril or whatever, uh, imperil rather, and guarding moves. And the game provides these to you, and then you have them, and you have to figure out the best way to use them. And it's really hard to figure out. It's really hard to figure out. I read several FAQs on the game when I hit a when I hit a bump in the road. It was maybe day eight or nine of the story. I didn't know what to do. I kind of I was left with quests where I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what monsters to kill. You know, one of them is, oh, collect this item in the evening near this building. And I'm like, I don't know where that building is. Like, I hit a wall around day eight or nine, and I just had to look up some FAQs. Funny story, every FAQ I read said that Square Enix highly recommends that you play on easy mode for the first playthrough. And I didn't. That's how complicated the battle system is. I think I actually heard that. Yeah. Well, thank you for telling me before I started the game on normal mode and immediately regretted that decision 20-some hours into the game because I didn't mm-hmm. know what to do. Because you're given all these abilities, and you can put them wherever you want. I, I don't know what to do. I assigned one of my buttons for each schemata. I gave a guard ability so that no matter what schemata I was on, I could always quickly guard against an attack. I don't know if that's right or not. At the end of the game, I could not beat the end boss. I played for 60 hours, finished almost all the side quests, leveled up as much as I could, and I could not beat the boss, John. So I looked up what schemata to, like, I looked up strategies. There is actually a schemata recommended by Square Enix for first playthroughs to beat the end boss. I used that schemata, and it was drastically different than all of my schemata collections that I had created on my own. Because the game gives you this big open sandbox, and it's like, hey, do whatever you want with it. And you can, and that's great, but you don't know the best ways to optimize it. No, but that's up to you as the gamer to figure out. That actually sounds awesome. 
Well, like it should be your responsibility as the game. That's why you're playing the game. You're not playing the game for the game to tell you how to do all this stuff the most efficient way possible. They give you a bunch of tools and it's up to you to figure that out. That's awesome. I'm glad you like it. I want to just be straight up. I am not good at this game. I was not very good at Lightning Returns. Like I said, I got, you know, 20 or 30 hours into the game, probably. I had no idea what to do. I was like, I know there are side quests. I don't know how to beat them. I got to the end of one of the main story quests. I didn't know how to beat the end boss of that. So I, all right, let's look it up in FAQ. Because you don't, so I'll, I'll keep talking about combat before I keep going. So when you're in combat and you're using these moves, not only do you, so each each of your three schemata, you have an active time battle gauge, an ATB gauge, right? Like in any Final Fantasy. Um, if you remember in Final Fantasy 13, as the ATB gauge went up, you could spend a certain amount of ATB points on an attack. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Kind of. This game works pretty much the same way. You start, let's say you have a schemata, your main schemata has a 120 ATB, and you can just use a bunch of attacks until you run out of that, or you can use a few attacks and then switch to another schemata. And then whenever you're not using a schemata, your ATB is going back up. So it's kind of a, a balancing act of of switching schemata quickly and not using all your ATB because there are times where if you're just spamming all your moves on all three schemata, you basically don't have enough to do any moves and you got to wait a few seconds. So this is all happening in real time. You also have to time your attacks. The enemy will attack you and there's a thing you need to learn how to do called perfect guarding. So that's right before the enemy makes contact with you, you hit the guard button, and it, it's a perfect guard that not only increases your stagger gauge on the opponent, uh, but also gives you the opportunity to attack directly following that perfect guard to quickly raise their stagger gauge. Um, so a perfect guard will automatically raise their stagger, and then any attacks you do subsequently is going to raise the stagger gauge more. So it's really important to perfect guard. It's really hard to perfect guard. Square Enix gives you a very small timing window. We're not talking like, oh, around the time they hit you, you perfect guard. No, like, when they say perfect guard, they pretty much mean perfect. You have to time this exceptionally, exceptionally well. And you can perfect attack. So let's say I have regular attack maps to the circle button. I can hold circle, and lightning will just attack, 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 attack while I'm holding it. Or you can hit circle and that attacks. And the second your blade slashes that character, you hit circle again. You'll hear a sound effect and then go into the next attack with higher damage, higher stagger power if you perfect time the attack. I didn't know this until 50 hours into the game because Hmm. there's so much to digest when they give you the tutorial that apparently I was rushing through some of it or skimming some of it or just didn't absorb it. That sounds to me like user error. Again, I'm not good at this game, and I'm not going to blame it on the game, but I will say there's a lot to absorb. There's a lot to absorb when you start this game. These are things I learned like through reading FAQs while trying to figure out quests and other things. So you need a perfect guard, you need to uh, perfect attack, you need to switch schemata. I didn't even fully understand the significance of stagger power versus stagger time for a while. Because Final Fantasy XIII, physical attacks 
kind of gave you a base stagger that would stay and deteriorate very slowly. Magic attacks jumped up their stagger gauge, but would quickly decline, if you remember. So the balancing act in the original game was physical attack a few times to make sure that he stays at 20% for a while, at least, then unleash some magic attacks so that it pops up 20% at a time, but then do some more physical attacks so that kind of solidifies it. So it was a balancing act. This game is different than the original Final Fantasy XIII. It doesn't matter if it's physical or magic or a debuff. It just matters what the stagger power is. So it's a change in mindset. You had to like kind of unlearn what you knew in Final Fantasy XIII and then learn the new system and apply the new system while adding in the perfect timing and the perfect guarding. All in all, very robust, very rewarding combat system. Once you know, th- you've actually piqued my interest, but not at all with anything of the story beats. <laughs> so I don't think I would actually get, personally, I don't think I'm going to get anything out of watching this game be played because the interesting part to this game at all. Like the only interesting part of the game to me is the, is this combat system because it almost sounds like they've taken the things that I do like about the Final Fantasy 13 combat system and they've added some action game oriented mechanics mm-hmm. to increase increase the depth of that combat system. And it's, it's deep. Yeah, and I mean like that the reactive stuff is what makes the combat in action games so much fun i think yeah yeah so it it actually it actually is something that i think i think i might actually try to play it again not at all because the story sounds interesting the story still sounds kind of dumb right but but because it it just has it sounds like it's got even more of what i actually like about combat systems because i really like the 13 combat system i think it's very well done yes and i remember you you really enjoy it I mean, I'll bring it up when I see you in Minnesota in a few weeks, and we'll at least watch the opening cutscene to make fun of how ludicrous it is. Sure. We should definitely twitch this, because I want to see your initial reactions. Yeah, we should totally just sit around drinking, playing for like an hour or two, or even less than that, just to give you a taste of it and see how you yeah. like it. Um, but, so the com- that's how the combat system works. And I really didn't think I'd be able to explain that as well as I did, but I think I did a decent job, actually. I think so. Hopefully. Um, debuffs are still a thing. You can still use D-Protect, Imperil, D-Shell, things like that. You don't really heal yourself. Now, in easy mode, Lightning is healed back to full health after every battle, just like in Final Fantasy Thirteen. In normal mode, that does not happen. And you need to use items or expend EP, which I believe are Aradia points, but... I have no idea what they are. So you have EP. You start the game with, you can get up to four or five EP, I believe. And then as you beat bosses, you have a higher maximum EP. You gain EP from winning battles. Uh, Battles, you get EP, gill, which is the currency, and occasionally items, of course. Now, EP, you can expend to do a variety of different things. Uh, The most important is called chronostasis. On the main map, you can spend one EP. You spend your time. You 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 extend your time. It stops time. Okay. So close. It stops time. So there is a clock, again, on the world map going all the time. It's a 24-hour clock. If you use chronostasis, it stops it. So let's say you need to get to a location that is like a shop is only open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can use chronostasis at 4.30 p.m. in case you need a lot of extra time to run to that spot. 
Now, since Chronostasis only costs one EP, and most battles give you between two, b- between like 0.25 and two EP, you can use Chronostasis also indefinitely if you just want to keep doing stuff. So you can get a ton of quests done on day one or day two just by using Chronostasis over and over after every battle. EP, you can also expend. You can use two EP to use Kiraga and fully heal yourself. You can use EP to remedy yourself during battle. Uh, You eventually are given offensive EP, like Quake. You can use Quake using two EP. Things like that. Teleport costs three EP, and that lets you teleport to a major location in the world, which is really, really convenient in a time-based game. So... That's how EP work, and they're they're both in battle and out of battle. And you can also overclock, which basically is like a limit break. You can spend 2 EP to overclock, and then you can rapidly use your moves, which increases the opponent's stagger counter. Let's say you're about to stagger them, but you need a little bit more. You can overclock by hitting L2, so it's very conveniently accessible in battle. Hit overclock, use a bunch of moves really fast, or maybe you just staggered them and you want to just unleash a ton of damage, then you can uh, you can go ahead and overclock yourself and just unleash a bunch of attacks. So EP is that other is another component of this whole system that you use in and out of battle, um, and that's how that works. Interestingly, to me, you don't level up through battling. You may have noticed I said you get EP and gill and items from battling. You don't get experience points. You only gain additional stats. The only the only stats that level up are your health, magic, and attack. The only stats that level up, they only level up when you complete a quest. So not when you complete a battle. That's like Chrono Cross. Is it? Yeah, when in Chrono Cross you'd defeat a boss and then you would gain stats for three battles and then you wouldn't gain any more stats until you beat the next boss. So, like, you, you basically only gain stats after you beat bosses. Oh, I blocked that game out of my mind. Yeah, again, again, this is a system without that has precedent. Yeah, no, never You like how quickly so. I made that, that, uh, that connection? You know, I don't. I don't, because that game was terrible. You mean chrono load time? Because that's what I call it. It's not even funny. It's, but it's true. You took 13 years of improv classes. This is not. Yeah, I did. That's you, all you, definitely. You can do better. Definitely true. So, uh, so you, anyway, you only gain experience, but it, it's kind of interesting about that is you could hypothetically just do fetch quests and avoid all battles for quite some time and just gain levels that way without like having to fight any battles. I guess that's you know kind I mean? of interesting, except that the battles you just said are used to get EP, Aratia points. Aratia. Ara- Ara- I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Aratia points. So you, I guess you still have to fight for those. Point is, is they've true. set a new system and to gain stats. They've set a new system to gain stats. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of interesting. Now, so why not avoid all battles? Well, uh, aside from the collecting ones, they also introduced an interesting concept that just, I'm sure has been done before called the last ones. Since the world is dying, John, and nothing is being born, there's only a set number of monsters out there. So there are probably only 50 niblets in the world. No, you, there's only 50? I know, I know. So let's say you go kill 50 niblets... Well, let's say you go kill 49 niblets. The last niblet becomes a last one, which is a purple niblet. It's a niblet that's purple. That's what purple niblet means. That's how adjectives work. So that's not like a euphemism for something? Nope. Like, here, touch my purple niblet? 
So a purple niblet appears, and when you fight that, it is more powerful because it's it's on the verge of extinction. And that niblet gives you a bunch of VP, a couple cool items, a medal or something that says you defeated the last one, and usually a really good accessory or sometimes weapon. When you kill the last skeleton, you get an awesome weapon. So I got a super awesome weapon. Uh, there is a quest that requires you to defeat all the last ones in the game. This sounds atrocious because it sounds like you have to fight like 10,000 battles, but on the No, 13th, you know what? It sounds atrocious. It sounds atrocious because you are literally causing the extinction of every single monster creature in the world. That is why it sounds guys. atrocious. Monsters are bad guys, John. They deserve to be killed. Okay. So there's that. So anyway, you kill these last ones. They give you all this cool stuff. So... It's kind of like if I end up killing a bunch of the same monster for a quest, then I just keep fighting the monster, and I'm like, hey, well, I might as well just fight another ten more, and then they're dead, and then I get a really cool item. So that's another like interesting thing about the game. But then when you get to day 13, there is a dungeon that unlocks that is only last ones of every species. So you can, if you don't want to do the whole grinding against monsters thing, you can just go to this final dungeon and then fight the last ones there. And in fact, there's one creature that has over 65,000 left in the world. So it's it's basically impossible to kill all of them to reach the last one. So you have to get to this dungeon to kill this one. And then you've killed all the last ones. So that's kind of an interesting little combat twist in the way that works. But if you want to avoid all these battles, you can just level up by using all the um, all the quests. So that's pretty much the game that I can think of for a lot of the most part for the battle and leveling up and quests. Most of the the main quests kind of give you these Aradia where you're saving souls. They're also in each realm is kind of like a job board that gets posted that Chocolina runs, the most annoying character ever. And Chocolina runs it. And these are things that don't give you any EP, but they do level up your stats if you finish them. So that's kind of an interesting little thing too. So that's how most of the mechanics of the game work. You've made the game intriguing to me, but not for any of the reasons that I anticipated the game being intriguing. So, well, like, I didn't I didn't anticipate the combat being something that would be something... Because it was the same from game one to game two. So I didn't expect anything different from that. And I expected there at least to be, a, like, a solid, conclusive story. And while you say that you are that you are satisfied by the ending, it sounds like I kind of have to deal with 58 hours of stuff that doesn't make sense and kind of is stupid to get to that point. I did, did you not hear what I was talking about the whole, You said like, it slowly got better. You said, like, halfway through, but that still is me investing a bunch of time to get to that point. It's not like it was, a, it was bad. It's just that I didn't know where it was going, I guess, and I think that bothered me. But if I okay. just was... Ex- if I had been more in the moment and kind of, ex- like, enjoying it for what it was, then I think I would have, like enjoyed it better because i think for the first part of it i was still trying to figure out the combat system i was trying to figure out where to go because i'm running around i'm running to like the area with the hardest enemies and they're destroying me and i'm like well i can't go here i better go here and there was a lot of running because i didn't know what was going on and actually this was something i want to address when i got 20 or 30 hours in or whatever and i was eight or nine days in whatever whenever i hit that wall i just started looking up walkthroughs and guides to sure. the side quests John, I enjoyed the game so much more when I started doing that. Not That's more, but but yeah, it was very interesting to me. 
And uh, I don't know, has that, have you ever had that experience where you just like, you were just like, screw it, I'm just going to look up how to do this, and you just started really liking the game more? You know, I'm sure I have, but I can't, nothing is coming to mind right now, because typically I don't have to use facts because I'm so awesome at video games, so nothing is coming to mind at the very moment, um, Well, but um, I'm sure I have done that. I'm sure there are games where I have needed a fact to get through them. Yeah, it was it was surprising to me that that happened, and I, I'm I, I like I'm not hardcore for or against strategy guides or walkthroughs, but man, it helped. It was much more enjoyable once I started to actually kind of know what to do, and that sure. was kind of nice. So that happened. Um, and the story is broken into there's a there's a main story for each realm, so the two cities and then the two wildland areas, and they each involve a different main character of one of the past games, either Final Fantasy 13 or Final Fantasy 13 2. And so there are those kind of main stories in each area, plus all the side quests with Aradia, and then all the job board side quests. So a lot of content. It does. It did feel very, very fetch questy, and I didn't like that at first because Luxerion was very, very fetch questy. Usnan a little bit less fetch questy in terms of battles, but you did a lot of kind of running around, doing errands, meeting people, like finding long lost loves and reintroducing them to each other. So there's that. But then in the Wildlands, there's all these different terrains and all these different things, and actually two main main quests in the Wildlands, and that was very interesting and very cool. And added a lot of variety. And the Dead Dunes involves this really expansive underground dungeon with several entrances and exits on the over, over kind of uh, open sky, the over overworld, I guess. And then underground that you have to kind of twist and turn into with timed doors uh, that you could get trapped in a room and be stuck there for an hour sometimes. I, it never happened to me, so it's not that hard. But uh, kind of labyrinthine, where you have to collect it, a lot of different things. And that was very interesting. I really liked the Dead Dunes quest, and it added a, a ton of variety and a lot of like kind of exploration, dungeony kind of feel to the game. Sure. So there's a lot of variety. So I know I've been talking about this game forever. I'm, I'm pretty much at my wit's end with it. I liked it. It it brought the story back together from the trilogy of the Final Fantasy 13 games. I overall thought the story was very good once I kind of relaxed a little and just stopped focusing on just trying to, like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. well, you shouldn't do things like try to understand it. I mean, <laughs> you should just kind of let it happen. You didn't listen to any of what I just said the last hour, did you? I don't even know what game we're talking about anymore. Yeah, okay, there's that. Uh, two other notes on the game that I'll be really mad at myself if I don't say. And my camera cut out. That's cool. Oh, well. You probably like it better this way, don't you? It is kind of nice. Yeah. Actually, I can still uh, see you. Ah, well, that's too bad. So, two other quick notes. I decided partway into Final Fantasy 13 or 13-2, I don't love the English voice acting. Uh, Troy Baker, you're really awesome. Loved you in The Last of Us. But I just, I didn't like Snow, sorry, uh, the, the direction of his voice. And I didn't love Lightning's voice ever. I thought it was very... Anyway, long story short, didn't love the voice actors. In this game, for free, you can download the Japanese voice acting and turn on subtitles. 88% loved that. It's a little tricky because Hope is in your earpiece saying things, and when you turn on subtitles, they're in the bottom left corner of your screen when you're running around the world map. But the clock is ticking. 
So it's a little tricky because the clock is ticking. You need to get places. You know that, like, let's say Hope starts to say something. You know if you start another conversation or you run through a door, those subtitles are going to go away. And you also have to keep an eye on those subtitles to know what he's saying while you're running around the map, which is hard to do because you're looking at subtitles. So overall, pretty smooth experience. They did the best they did they could with it. Um, but it is a little harder to absorb everything when you've just got the Japanese voices with subtitles. But for the cutscenes and May story beats, oh my god, amazing. I, I really like the Japanese voices quite a bit more than the American ones. So I like that, but that was my first ex- experience changing the whole way the game works just for the sake of the voice acting. And one other thing, the music. So the music's phenomenal. The music in the Final Fantasy Thirteen series is unbelievable. I mean, the whole it's Final Fantasy. It's all been very good. It really has. It's all, it's been, all been really good. And it continues in Thirteenth with Lightning Returns. Something kind of interesting they did that I thought was kind of funny. The battle music is like roulette. They use every battle music from all the past games, Final Fantasy thirteen games, and add some new battle themes. And every realm, they just use a different battle theme. So, like, you're running in the Wildlands, and one minute you're getting this, like, death metal rock boss music from Final Fantasy XIII 2 anytime you encounter a Gorgon Sippet, which is just a regular wolf. So, like, I'm getting Everybody in these, knows this. Of course. I'm getting in these battles, and, like, this, this super boss music starts playing, and it's just, like, a niblet or something. And I'm like, what is going on? Not the they niblets. Use, I know. They use seriously... 20 different battle themes in this. It's really crazy how many different battle themes are in it. And it, for a while, I was just like, I literally don't know what they're going to play next. So that was, I don't know, it's kind of a funny, weird little anecdote that I noticed. Um, but you can also download Lara Croft's outfit from Tomb Raider as a schemata. That's, that's cross-merchandising. Look at that. Because Square Enix owns uh, Tomb Raider. Yeah. So... So I don't know. So um, a lot of little random stuff. The story is very serious in some parts, very not in others. I really, I really enjoyed it. Like, I really want to play New Game Plus. I don't want it to take 60 hours because I don't have 60 hours. So there's not much I can do about it. But, like, I legitimately want to replay through the entire Final Fantasy XIII trilogy. It's kind of interesting to hear you do such a strong 180 on this game because I, I was really looking forward to you finally not filleting some sort of Final Fantasy product. But yet, here we are, and it's in your mouth, and that's where it's going to stay. So, it, I mean, it is what it is, you know? Like, you love them, and that's fine. But uh, you have, like I said, you have piqued my interest, though. It is something that I want to try. Okay, here, here, I'll make you feel better. I will admit it's not nearly as good as our favorite Final Fantasy game ever, Okay. It okay, is not great. as good as Final Fantasy Airborne Brigade. <laughs> Holy crap. Listener, that actually showed up on an episode of uh, Unqualified Video Game Podcast, I think, actually. It was forever so ago. You can probably find it on Unqualified Gamers a long time ago. So uh, go listen to that if you want some hilarious, horrible Final Fantasy product product in your ears. Yeah, it's really awful. It was really... And you know, part of the reason I did the 180 is because of the whole conversation we had last week about reviewing video games, because I think part of the reason I didn't enjoy it at first was because I wanted to finish it to have were, it under you were my marathoning it. I, I kind of wanted to marathon. Like I, I just wanted to be like, 
I want to get this game done so I can review it and talk about it and it'll be over. And it, I wasn't letting myself just experience it. And then I slowed down a little bit the last couple of weeks. And I think that's when I really finally was just like, I'm playing the game to have fun and breathe and enjoy it and like it for what it is and not try to analyze every part of it. And just, just play a game. The reason you play a game to have fun. Yeah, and that's on. when it, it got better. So it, that goes back to last week. I'm glad I piqued your interest. I, I really legitimately, including the storyline, everything came together and a very satisfying ending. And my God, the last FMV, you watch it, the last, the very last FMV after the credits, I couldn't tell was live action or not for a while. It's that good. Like Square cool. Enix. They've always, they that's, I mean, that's always something they've done very well is they've done very excellent cutscenes and pretty much everything. Unbelievable. But it, it, that was also why it was interesting to read reviews because I'm looking at it and I'm like, how do you even approach this? It's the third game in a series that uses a totally different combat system, focuses on totally different things. The storyline goes way left field. Like, what do you compare it to? You know? How do you approach reviewing a game like this? I could barely approach just talking about it, let alone giving an official review. Like, how do you do that? How do you do it, John? Tell me. I don't, and that's what makes us unqualified gamers. That it does. So what did you play this weekend? Uh, I played the standard stuff. I mean, like I said, my weekend was real busy, but I am I am still deeply in love with the Diablo 3 expansion and and Hearthstone and they are basically taking up all of my time right now. Um I and you've been streaming. I did. I streamed I streamed uh, both actually Diablo 3 and Hearthstone a couple times, so that was pretty fun. And uh, I I started playing Diablo 3 co-op again on um, the brief periods of time that I can. I still have to get up every 5 to 15 minutes if, you know, if Max needs something, but like for the most part, that game is just so good, both co-op and single player. It's just it's a fantastic game. It is really good, and they made it they made it wonderful. So those are still kind of the things that I've just been picking up and playing. And Hearthstone still has, like I said before, those really snappy matches. I really got uh, into the arena mode of Hearthstone finally, where, and I've talked about it before, but it's a draft system where you draft your thirty cards, you get. You get a set of three random cards of a specific rarity, and they could there are three random cards of that rarity, and you pick the one that you want to put in your deck for that class. And you draft 30 cards that way, so you have a possible 90 different cards that you choose from, three at a time. You draft your 30 cards for your deck, and then that's the deck you play with against against other arena opponents that have drafted their decks the exact same way. So the idea is kind of like a level playing field. You have three losses, and then if you've lost, once you've lost the third time, you're done. And the more wins you can get over the course of those losses, the better your rewards are. So I started off, and when I first started Arena, I would there were times where I would get zero wins, and now I'm up to consistently getting like three wins. So it's pretty good. It's uh, it's been really fun. Well, I'm glad. <clears throat> Sorry, I lost my voice from talking for the last two hours about uh... sure. And more FTL. So uh, that is still... I really want to stream that game too because I still love that game. I love that game. Well, now that part of the reason we're going to be streaming more is because we both have webcams, HD webcams. So we'll do some picture-in-picture and listeners can can watch us. And 
I'm going to be streaming the game that you got me for my birthday. Goat f***er simulator. Yes. That's what it's called, I believe. That's yes. Goat, goat simulator. That is the game I want to watch. Goat sim... It's a different game, I think, than I thought I bought you. Um, yeah, no, it's great. It's, uh, I have watched a little bit of it, and it's, it looks pretty good. Yeah, so we'll see about that. Now, since we're live right now, we have a couple more questions from our, from our listeners before we, uh, we talk about what they played last weekend and then wrap up. That works for you? Right on. All right. Will asks, how is DDP yoga? So I started DDP yoga a few weeks ago, and I have not done it since then. So All right, I'll that answers to, that question. I'm in pretty terrible shape right now. I'm in awful, awful shape right now. I've worked out less the last couple months than I'm in bad. I need to, I need to start doing it. So hopefully good soon. Uh, next question. Will, my scouter is broken. What's the power level of your hair right now? John, what would you say the power level of my hair is right now? I think the standard answer would be like, 200? Yeah, I think that's the standard answer. That's the standard answer to any time that question is asked. Well, I'm done with that that stupid question, and you're stupid too, Will. I, I, again, I, I don't know who that listener is, and I would never say that to Yeah, I do. Hey, Zelda Chick wants to know, this is to be answered by both of you, please. What is your favorite game and your least favorite game, and why? Wow. That is a... That's a that, is, that is a question that is not answerable at this point. It's something that I would have to think about. Honestly, no, you know what? I don't have to think about it. Favorite game I ever played was World of Warcraft, and it had nothing to do with the actual game. It had to do with... I led raids for an entire expansion of that game for the guild that I played in, and it was it was the most like fulfilling gamer moment stuff of my life. That being said, I could never dedicate the amount of time that I needed to dedicate to that game to ever have that kind of thing happen again. But that was the best game I ever played. Again, completely for the social aspect. Um, and then as far as least favorite game, I feel like when you don't like a game, you just stop playing it, don't you? So I can't even really remember. I don't keep track no, of No, you I don't. don't. I don't really keep track of the bad ones. So that's my answer. I don't really have a worst game that I've played, unfortunately. Okay. My favorite game, probably similar reasons to John, would be Super Smash Brothers: the series, I guess. I mean, Melee, that was high school for me. That was high school. Sure. It was my freshman year, freshman or sophomore, whenever it came out, I had, my parents made me get rid of Goldeneye after Columbine. Did you, you knew that, right, John? I did. Yeah. So, listener, if you don't remember, Goldeneye, I mean, Goldeneye often touted as at its time, because it has not aged well at all. At the time, greatest multiplayer experience ever. I mean, just that was the game. When Goldeneye was around, everyone was high on Goldeneye. That's just the way it was. It was it was it was legendary for its time. And again, it's aged horribly. If you go back and you play it, you're gonna be like, why the hell do people like this game? It is it is not aged well. But at the time it was the thing. But Columbine happened, and legitimately that's when Jack Thompson, the the crooked attorney who waged war on video games oh, and sure. the the media ate up the whole gaming makes you killers thing. That's where all the memes about gamers making you killers came from. Columbine. Right. Because 
They found out with the video games. So for, if you're too young to remember that, listener, that's what happened. My parents made me sell Goldeneye because they didn't want me to become a murderer. So that, good on them, I guess. I'm not a murderer, so it worked. And they would replace it with a game of my choice. Smash Brothers had just come out. Decided to pick it up. Smash Brothers on N64. Yeah, I guess we'll try this. Changed my life. That became every every party John and I ever had or went to in high school. It was Smash Brothers. That was the game. I mean, it was just the game. So Smash Brothers, I mean, Melee, probably I had the most fun with with my friends because it was around the longest. I prefer Brawl because, um, I don't know, I just, it's newer, whatever. So, yeah, I don't really know. I think um, I think you can objectively say that n- neither of those games are the best games ever made as far as games go. But Yeah, they're not the be- the best. No, but it's the play all, but... with the other people part. So that's and actually again, a little, that, that's actually a little profound, right? That the, that the two, our two favorite gaming experiences are not the best games ever made. Well, your answer informed my answer because when, as soon as you said social experience, my, my brain went to smash brothers immediately. So if I had put any more thought into it in terms of like best slash favorite, it, it might, I might've said chrono trigger or final fantasy six. Well, I realized very quickly that I've actually, I, I might even be on record on the podcast saying that that has been my favorite gaming experience before. I might've actually answered that question already, but I've definitely told other people that that was like, yeah, as far, like, as far as in my heyday of video game playing, when I had the time to do that kind of thing, it was seriously the most rewarding and fun stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. And then in the back in the comments section, Christopher wanted to know, it, it, random, not video game related. So maybe we're qualified to answer this. I don't know. If you could go back in time, what would you change if you would change something and why? I'm making some stupid decisions and helpful push would potentially help. Do you want to start with that question? I will give the political answer and I will say I would kill Hitler because I love the Jews. You can't kill Hitler if you go back in time. Why? It's been proven by every no, media ever. I can ever. strangle him as a baby. Look, it, I'll step no, on his face. Literally no, every – there's actually a trope. Do you there's not trope. love the Jews? If you go to TV tropes – No, that's what I'm hearing right now. That's what no, I'm there is. There is a specific trope that you can't kill Hitler. That you it cannot be done. They did it. They tried it in Red Dwarf. They tried it in Doctor Who. I believe. Then I would go back in time and I would befriend Hitler, and we would have <laughs> a party. And you'd have a party instead of killing people, right? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. If I could go back in time and change it, I'm guessing this would be a, a more personal question, like about making personal decisions. I. This is going to sound really weird and turn off all our female listeners. It won't. It won't. I would I would have read the game sooner. The game by Neil Strauss. It just it changed my life. So, it's a it, for those who haven't heard of it, it's a it's it's called The Game Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists and it's it's about if you remember the the show The Pickup Artist on VH1 starting Mystery, um it's this guy Neil Strauss, New York Times best-selling author meets mystery before the whole vh1 tv show meets mystery and finds out about this kind of underground society of pickup artists who are guys who pick up girls and date them and things like that and it it's less about like how to meet women and blah 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 but more kind of explores the psychology of how like 
male and female relationship dynamics really, really work. And it, it, it boosted my confidence basically for my, the rest of my life. And I, I have since then been more confident as a person and with women and with career choices that, that book and how to make friends and influence people by, uh, from like the 1960s or whatever. Yeah. From, really no, from old, the twenties right? or thirties, Yeah, how to make friends and influence people like the original, that book, read that book. And I, I've read articles and interviews that people will read that book and then reread it a few months later and then reread it a few, like reread certain chapters even. Uh, those two books, The Game and How to Win Friends and Influence People, just changed the way I interact. It's made me more successful in every aspect of my life, both of those. So Perfect. Yeah. And, and The Game is not as misogynistic as a lot of people probably just think if you actually read it. It's really interesting. Very psychological. Yeah, and Christopher also said, change Columbine to Virginia Tech, and that delayed me getting Halo a few years. So I guess it affects every generation. Hopefully that stigma will go away someday. Yeah. The maybe, gamers are... Maybe you know, when actual studies come out. Maybe. Uh, and again, that second book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. God, I wish I could remember who wrote that. It is from the 10, 1910s or 20s, though. I think Hitler wrote that. Yeah, sure, sure. The mind comes... Okay. No, wait. And the lightning round. We're finished. Can you hear my voice going? Yeah. Yeah, it's going. Okay, good. Thank God. My voice is going. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. So lightning round. We ask every week, what have you been playing? What did you play this weekend, listener? What are you going to play this weekend? We post this podcast Thursdays. So listener, go to unqualifiedgamers.com. Tell us what you're playing this weekend. Last weekend, what did our listeners play? Karam was playing Out There. Pretty fun point and click. Have you ever heard of Out There? No. Me neither. Well, it's a pretty fun point and click, apparently. Kieran, been playing Arkham City, thinking about going through a few runs on Civ Five. <laughs> well, if you posted it last weekend... That's your, entire, guessing, that's your entire weekend, so... Yeah, I'm guessing you've gotten through one, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that game's so good. And Arkham City's good. It is. Oh, and they just announced, listener, they announced a future Civ, Civ game. That's, uh... Um... Firaxis's... Yeah, that's... Firaxis's next big project is a... It's not just space. It is like colonizing other planets. It's going to be a future Civ. So super excited for that. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, our lives are over. I cannot no wait turn. for that. I cannot wait. I've been waiting for a, a good Space 4X game. Endless Space is a 4X game in space. Not, it, it's good, but it's not great. But Firaxis is going to do it right. And you know they're going to do it right. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm glad that you're excited. I'm I'm pumped too. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, uh, M- Miles has been playing a bit of Last of Us, some Far Cry Three, and the Stanley Parable. Why haven't we reviewed the Stanley Parable? We did. I talked about it for half an episode. No, we didn't. Oh my god, it's on. It's it. We did it like ten episodes ago. You did not talk about the Stanley Parable. Oh my god, it's like. It's like you don't even listen to me when I do this podcast with you. You are like, you're lying right now. Keep talking and keep going through these games. I'm going to find it for you. Hang on. I no, thought we no, no, really. Talk- no, really. Keep going. Here, hang on. I thought we only talked about I the think Stanley Parable. I think we have more friends that played games. Can't believe you. Right. Brandon, playing Arkham, uh, Batman Arkham City, maybe a little NES if time allows. Gotta give you props for playing NES. That's pretty cool. Also interesting, a few of our listeners are playing Arkham City, but not. I'm not seeing a lot of Origins on here. Which but, is weird because it did go on sale for 10 bucks a couple of times already. Already? Yeah, I actually picked it up and haven't played it yet. What else is oh. new? 
Yeah, yeah, right. Hemi, uh, playing Outlast, Dead Island, and Portal 2. Great. I, You know, I haven't played Dead Island, but I've wanted to. It got good reviews, right? I could. I played it, and um, it was... It's okay. It's okay. I. Okay. It's way too long for what I was expecting. Out of oh, that, really? Out of thinking, yeah, it took forever. It took forever. And you were in a hurry to finish it so that you could uh, review it on the video game podcast, and that ruined your experience, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I can relate. I know. What else? The official DJ Lunar Scratch playing Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess and Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag 3. What is Assassin's Creed 4 Black... Is that the, the subtitle of it is Black Flag... Oh, wait. Nope. That was a, that was a face. Not Black Flag 3. <laughs> well, that done. was... That was a... What is the face where you put a colon and then the number three? It's like a puppy face or something. I never really understood that emoticon. Which black but, black flag is also also just re- went on sale. I think recently for like twenty to twenty five dollars. I would see, really like. I would really like to play that game. And that's my Achilles heel. Because listener, we're unqualified. John has never played a Metal Gear Solid game, and I've never played an Assassin's Creed game. So we're like super unqualified, but Twilight Princess is my favorite Legend of Zelda game. So kudos to you, the official DJ Lunar Scratch. Okay, so Thor King, there is no game that permits me to simulate in vivid exactitude the deliberate and simultaneous extermination of the entire human race. Therefore, there are no fun games. That's not a game. Well, that's not a game, but I would I would argue that civilization would allow you to simulate uh, simulate the deliberate and simultaneous extermination of the entire human race. Yeah, I can get behind that, actually. Or is there a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy game? Because that would do it. Also true. I would I would think. I'm not, I'm not sure. So we have a couple of... Have you found that podcast that never existed, by the way? Yet? Uh, not yet, because for some reason the third page of our podcast uh, list won't load. Well, so. try the search bar, because there's a search bar. Oh my gosh, it's Indeed. like you've thought of everything. I know. Well, I did make the website, so there's that. All right, what else? Um, Mac, definitely Final Fantasy IX. Good on you. That John loves that one. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Justin played The Wolf Among Us, Episode 3. What is that? The Wolf Among Us is a Telltale series uh, point-and-click adventure game based on the comic book fables fables i think is what it's called and it's basically what would happen if it's basically they all of the characters from fables so just characters like snow white and then big b the big bad wolf from the three little pigs get put into like our dimension and have to have like real jobs and big b the big bad wolf is a detective and it's like it's an adult book so like they're like mature it's a maturated game yeah doesn't it sound cool and like i think snow white's a a prostitute i might have just made that up maybe she's a stripper i might have just made that up too but it's got it's uh it's it's got some interesting ideas certainly that's awesome yeah vintage gamer privately uh playing another playthrough of 13 2 can't help it can't argue with you there i mean i don't blame you i know vintage gamer was also playing lightning returns earlier so maybe so you're doing what i want to do go back and play through that whole series again because man i just love it i really do did you know that john i did not know that 
Okay. And Christopher, finally, to end with what he played this weekend, Christopher also, who survived this entire atrocity of a Google Hangout with us, by the way. So, you know, we went from, there were like 10 or 12 people in the original Google Hangout. Then I couldn't figure out how to work it, so we closed it and went to another one that's a live broadcast, then messed with settings, and then dropped to a couple people, and one guy hung on for a while, and then now it's just Christopher. He's the only one that can tolerate us this long. So I thanks believe, for I believe that. Thanks for sticking with us. You are a trooper, and Christopher played a little Super Smash Brothers brawl over the weekend. Hasn't had much time for video games over the past few weeks, unfortunately, but... Clearly enough for Smash Brothers, which is too, which is which is good, good on you. And he says in the chat, a delayed thanks, two hours. My God, I know that's that's what I'm sure anyone would be thinking after. That's what John's been thinking about me, actually. I was thinking that at about the one hour mark, and then I realized, oh, it's only been one hour. Okay. Yeah. No, not no two hours for video games, but two hours for this. Great logic. I uh, I don't know what to tell you. I don't I don't know. I swear that I have I talked about Stanley Parable at some point in this on this show and the fact that I, I don't can't believe find it. it is pissing yeah. me off. No, here's the I th- talked about it and I swear I even said it almost made my top 5 list. It was oh wait close. a minute, you talked about game design in video games? Yes, and that was when yeah, I talked about I, it because that was the whole point of of the Stanley Parable. I remember that you talked about game design in video games. Why couldn't you remember that you talked about that on this podcast? So you failed to tag it correctly on our website. Congratulations. Basically, this is all your fault, like most things. Have you searched for Stanley Parable? I did. Guess what shows up? Nothing. Well, I don't know know why you're surprised by that. Yeah, I don't know why you're surprised. I'm shocked by it because I'm so good at video game podcast website making. You should use more hashtags. This is it's missing hashtags. We need more hashtags. I yeah. Before I rip my hair out, we need to stop this madness. That I don't know how the listeners survived this long. Here's what I'm gonna. Do. I know how to fix this right now. Uh, no, I'm gonna go ahead and cut out here. Um, as usual, thank you, listener, for for uh, for joining us. Um, I expect we'll probably try this live thing again, especially now that we at least have the settings thing. You, ah, God, now the fact that I can see you, I want you to know, makes this, it makes this, it, it makes it so much worse. It makes it, it's already so bad. It makes it so much worse. The fact that we've we have sh- one more question the- to answer. We got another question from a listener before we sign off. Okay. William asks, I'm still here in all caps. Would you care to address that? That's not a question. It's not a question. I don't know what to but tell it's you. It's in the question section. Do you love when I talk with my mouth full? I, I love it. Every time you do it in every episode of this podcast, I've talked to you about it before. I love it every time. So thank you for joining us. You can find us on Google Plus at Unqualified Gamers. You can find us now on Twitch as well. We've changed our name a little bit on Twitch. We haven't plugged it in a while, but expect to find us more there. I think, we'll, I think when I stream, I'll start announcing on Google Plus first at the same time. But our name on Twitch now is... You can find us twitch.tv slash unqualifiedgamers101. So we're unqualifiedgamers101. I expect I'll try to stream at least once, twice a week. So I would like to stream more than that. We'll see if I've got time. And Cody will share the account. So, um... What? And then... So you'll stream, too, using the same account. And then you can find us on Twitter. Cody is uh, at producer Cody. I am at eatplaygame. You can find us there. Cody's probably a little more active tweeting than I am. 
You retweet everything I tweet related to the podcast. Well, of course. So Why you're wouldn't looking I? For, if you're looking for a dedicated, unqualified gamer's Twitter feed, it's probably at ePlayGame. Sure. Um, and yeah, and of course, like I said, on, on Google Plus is where we're the most active, and that's just unqualified gamers. I wanted to bring one more thing to your attention. Did you notice the cup I'm out of which I'm drinking water is is a Jimmy John's cup? Is that supposed to be significant? Now, I'll, ex- I'll explain in a second. Christopher wanted us to mention he is at Mr. Waffle King on Twitter. That's MR Waffle King, at MR Waffle King. So follow him for some video game related tweets if you'd like. Now, would you like to hear the story of the Jimmy John's Cup? I'm sure it's really good. <laughs> Listener, if you're not watching this live, and you missed John's face. I'm just telling you. The face he made when he said that, I will never forget for all of my days. The Jimmy John's Cup is to commemorate Brock Lesnar. Are we really going out on a wrestling reference? Because he like, wears really... Jimmy John shorts. Oh my god! I... He broke the streak. I hate you. This is done. The, I'm over. The Undertaker's twenty-one and one. Just like how we went from twenty-one listeners to one listener through the course of this live hangout. <laughs>